and welcome to your Tuesday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. It obviously would normally be a Monday, but there's been no town football. It's a bloody international break, isn't it? So we're a day late, but still sounding great. Uh, I am your host, Mark Heath. With me, the whole shebang, my three best friends in no particular order. Rossi, the beard, Roscoe, AJ, the young one, AJ, and Stewie, the bald one, Watson. Sorry, Stu. How are you? <laughs> Still bald. Still bald, baby. Uh, how's things? Because obviously we're all football. Well, I say we're all football journalists. I can't really tie myself with that brush because uh, I just make lists and shuffle things around. You're proper football journalists. Um, there's no football this weekend, at least no it's just town football. So what did we all do, boys? I thought we'd kick off like this. What did you do, Stu? In fact, you you said no town game. I'm having the week off, mate. I did. I had last week off, which was lovely. Um, the weekend, I got a little taster of what kind of, I think a lot of people do at weekends. Normal life. Dull. I got dragged <laughs> around the shops on Saturday, went around Freeport over Braintree Way and uh, went into a few sort of uh, out of town shopping places, you know, where they have mm. being queues and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely rammed at the weekend. Is that where everybody goes? Just fighting to get a parking space. Um, oh, mate. Trudged, so you, you dragged around, around the shops. shops. Oh, no. Um, so bring back the football, please. <laughs> Rossi, can we just agree that international breaks are shit? No one cares. Come on. International Correct. breaks are rubbish. Correct. Don't care. Don't care. Pointless. And also, friend, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm steaming because I've realised tonight the Bake Off isn't on because they're showing the bloody England football. I don't care about England, Italy. I want to see someone soggy bottom. Rossi, what did you do in the international break? Uh, yeah, I did. I didn't take a week off. Maybe I should have done. Um, that sounded good. Um, now we got we got stuck in the stuff. Um, but on Saturday it was my sister's thirtieth um, birthday. Sister Jade, shout out to her. Um, we went out and uh, with you know the family and you know everybody got a bit drunk, which was very nice. I had a nice meal. And then on Sunday, I actually did watch a bit of football. Yeah. Under 11s football, my niece plays uh, for Kesgrave Kestrel. Shout out to them as well. Uh, they drew 2 2. Um, was freezing my ass off though at half nine in the morning. Um, they play early. Um, bit of a hungover, you know, and all that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was a, a good weekend. Had a nice little roast to end it though. Had a nice roast with Sasha. Um, shout out to the coaching horses and Woodbridge. That was that was nice as well. Amazing. I, I, I really hope one day, Ross, what we'll do, maybe in the summer, just go back through every show and just do a compilation of your shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously you've shouted out toilets, you've shouted out showers, you shout out anywhere that you've ever been or anyone you ever encounter. Um, yeah. So I think we should do a Roscoe shout out compilation. Obviously, also Ross, difficult elephant in the room question. I assume that's going to be the last time you ever see your sister now that she's she's past thirty. Yeah, she's going to Sweden next week, so you know, because <laughs> life ends at thirty, as far as you're concerned. Yeah. Over thirty, not interested. Yeah, but what happens if I turn 30, though? That's the problem. That's going to be... Wow, difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Difficult, yeah. A couple of years, fine. AJ, I've, I've saved you to last because um, it's a demonstration of your youthful enthusiasm as a, what are you, 22 years old. Yeah. There was no football <laughs> this weekend. So what did you do, mate? I went to watch more football. <laughs> you um, did? You watched more football with... than you normally would? Yeah. So I ended up thinking, there's no game this weekend. I need to make up for this by having two football games. Um, the first of which was England-Australia at Wembley, as we discussed before, where I got absolutely soaked. It was a bit rubbish and maths didn't come on, which was really sad. I left there feeling 
fairly kind of down, just think I really wanted to see him come on. And we left early because you have to leave Wembley early or else you're just going to be queuing for about two hours to get out. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be gutted if he doesn't, if he comes on now and and, uh, I missed it. And he didn't come on and I felt even worse. And it was a dreadful game of football anyway. And then I went to watch uh, Cambridge Shrewsbury the day after because, you know, as you do, um, which was pretty much nothing for the best part of 70 minutes before 35-year-old Michael Morrison picked up the ball on the halfway line, ran through about four or five defenders and scored. If you have not seen this goal, definitely look it up. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, And they were absolutely rubbish and then conceded in the 88th minute. And it was just another really rubbish game that made me miss watching like four, three home wins every weekend. (laughs) Michael Morrison's a Haverhill boy, isn't he? One of our, one of yeah, our he's own. local. He's yeah, right yeah. on the road, yeah. How, uh, boys, Stewie and, and AJ, you can answer me this. You're professional football reporters. When you're going to watch a game you're not reporting on, though, can you can you now consume it still as a fan? Is that possible? Or are you thinking about... Because when you watch a game now, you watch it in a different way. You're, you're kind of, I always refer to it kind of being on like pause almost, like um, a streaming thing. You're, you're you're paying particular attention to who's played that pass in case it comes off into something, who's who's made that run so I can tweet about it afterwards, that kind of thing. So you're, you're watching it in greater detail than you would normally. Do you, are you able to revert to fan mode ever, AJ, Chewy? From my perspective, yes, in some cases. The one aspect that <coughs> I'd, I'd struggle with is the refereeing decisions because I'll be stood in like a terrace with loads of fans around me. Decision will go against Cambridge. And I, you were just here. Well, I mean, I probably won't repeat what you hear, but yeah, you know. effing and jeffing. Uh, yeah, yeah, effing and jeffing. <laughs> and I'm kind of stood in the middle of it thinking, oh, I don't know if he got the ball there. And I'm kind of stood in silence, just thinking it back and then uh, analyzing and it. Y- yeah, usually I go back to like the days of when I was like a proper, you know, Cambridge season ticket holder back in the day. And I remember being in the terraces doing exactly the same kind of thing. That's probably the biggest change I've noticed. Yeah. Watson, can you can you ever consume a football game? Or would you run a million miles to, to avoid going to a football game now you're a pro? Pro writer, um, couch it in those terms, but I don't, I don't watch a lot of football in my spare time, which sounds a mm. bit weird. It's like the longer I've done this, the more it's kind of robbed it as a as a hobby for me. Yeah. Um, I was watching. I watched a bit of that second half of the England game, which wasn't a great watch. I sat at home feeling quite smug that I hadn't made uh, the effort to go all the way to to Wembley, knowing how bad it was to get out of Wembley afterwards, as, as Alex says, and all of that. Um, and I find it weird watching on telly because I don't I don't like not being able to see the kind of full picture of the pitch and, and mm. getting an idea of the, the shapes and the patterns and things like that. So um, I don't watch loads of football in my spare time, I have to admit. Do you know what I did this weekend, boys? I watched a lot of rugby. Mm. I know, controversial bringing up the old egg chasing on a football show. But uh, there was some there were some absolutely brilliant games of rugby this weekend. New Zealand, Ireland was an all-time classic. England, Fiji better than I expected, with the added bonus of Fiji's unbelievable kit. The black and pink, I think it was pink, or very, very, very bright red. Ferns all over the front of their top, because that's their that's their badge. Sensational. That was a good game. And then uh, South Africa and, what was it? South Africa and uh, France, of course, the host, was like a heavyweight fight. Just two horrible, big, nasty bastards just slugging it out. Uh, fantastic. And the other thing, boy, we mentioned refereeing there. Why can't football just copy the rugby model when it comes to refereeing and VAR because it's so much better. It's perfect, in fact. Mic up the ref so everyone watching can hear the ref and the interactions he has with the players. 
show the actual VAR room and 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 the interaction between the VRF and the ref, and also show it all on the big screen in the stadium, so everyone knows what's going on. It's dead simple. Why can't it work? I guess the counter argument, if you was playing devil's advocate, would to say that the flow of a football match is slightly different to a rugby game. That there's more more natural pauses um, in rugby compared to football. I mean, what happens if they go right? We're we're analysing that next stoppage. We'll we'll make a decision on that, and then in the meantime, someone goes and scores, and then you have to chalk that off because you're going back to an early incident. That's probably the counter argument. But in general, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from from rugby and refereeing and the respect shown to the officials and yeah uh, the whole culture around it for sure yeah it's a game for thugs Stu, isn't it played by gentlemen well would you agree <laughs> i love i love talking to Stu about rugby <laughs> i'll always defend football to <laughs> no, the no, hill no, here no, no. because it's it's my <laughs> sport and it will be a lot of the listeners main sport as well and i think some of that gets overplayed i've seen some footage from fighting in the stands at the rugby and uh yeah there's not it's not whiter than white the culture that surrounds rugby even that fighting honest. even that fighting was, was slightly high class though because they were they were like dressed as knights weren't they having a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a tear up and i have um, seen in the rugby now i mean i always thought rugby was a little has got a bit later in the day with joining sort of the professionalized aspect of the sport and yeah. the deeper you get into professionalism and the more money that comes into it the higher the stakes you just see a few more little dark arts and stuff come in. You get it in rugby as well. I've started to notice players kind of bringing bringing to the uh, referee's attention things that are going on off the ball. It's the equivalent of waving the imaginary yellow card and stuff like that. So let's, uh, I'm let's only not jesting. overplay that I'm side only of things. I, I know I, it's, it, I, I can get you on this every single time. Oh, yeah. you, you've got the kind of rugby part of your family, haven't you? Um, your wife being from Cornwall, obviously all rugby rugby fans so i know it winds you up whenever i start saying things about rugby being great and better than football. yeah there's so, there's a lot of um banter with the in-laws about egg chasing and the right <laughs> the right shape for balls and things yeah. like that which manscaping it, i always tell them can, can sort you right out with yes use the code koa at manscaped.com to sort exactly. out your balls whatever shape they are they can be hair free pass um, me the gravy please <laughs> <laughs> aj before we get on, we're going to do a big mailbag show basically today. Loads of questions. Obviously, there's no game to talk about. But there is part, kind of one bit of news, I guess, to talk about town-related from the international break. And that's um, Wesley James Burns injuring himself again playing for Wales. And it looked quite nasty. I mean, we're still obviously still waiting for any update. I doubt we'll get an update, actually, until you speak to Kieran tomorrow. Um, essentially, he, he, he's jumped over someone. Um, they've taken his legs out and he's landed full force on his arm, which looks like he's jarred his, his his shoulder, dislocated his shoulder maybe. He came off with it in a sling. Um how much of a blow is that for Tao? Yeah, I was a little bit gonna be out for a while. I was a little bit worried I was the curse here because I obviously with, with Stu off I was the one tasked with kind of keeping an eye on this and it was on S4C where basically having watched as much S4C as I have trying to watch Broadhead and Burns, I'm pretty much fluent Welsh at this point, which goes well <laughs> with the name. Um and I was upstairs having dinner and I rushed down. I think I missed the first 15 minutes. I just opened the door to my room and I had the TV going anyway. And literally within about 30 seconds, I saw Burns getting flipped like a pancake and landing yeah. on his back. It was quite a nasty one. It was really the landing you could see immediately. I either thought he's winded himself or he's done some real damage here. So 
Interesting one to see. I know he's been putting some things out on Instagram. I think he ended up in Dubai over the weekend. I saw on oh, Instagram. Did he? So yeah. So hmm. I'm hoping that that is a good sign. And we obviously know that during the last break, he, he got withdrawn with the hamstring injury mm. and was back immediately. I think he was in the first lineup after the break for town. So it, it's hopefully a good sign there. If he's out for a long time, huge blow, obviously, because he's such an important player. I think the goal that he scored against Hull has been coming for a while. It's not kind of an indication that he's been playing badly at all with the fact he's not been scoring. He's such a big threat. He's so fast. Um, the only good thing I could say is that Town have absolutely loads of depth to cover the position if there is going to be a period without him when you look at players like Amari Hutchinson, like Caden Jackson, even like Dane Scarlett, and you can always just move things around to, to make it more flexible there. So two sides to it would be a huge blow to lose him, but I'd be really happy with the depth that Town have to, to kind of make up for his absence. Rossa, you're our Instagram guy. Have you seen any updates from Wes on, on the old Insta? Has he, has he posted anything? Uh, let's have a little look. Uh, the Ross Instagram radar is now going out. He's added a story. You'll survive too many storms to be bothered by raindrops. How Wow, how profound. Um, that obviously means his shoulder's fine, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people saying, why haven't we had an update? But Stu, I mean, that would be unusual for the club to put out an update um, before the press conference, wouldn't it? In terms of injury-wise. Um. I don't know. Read into that what you will, but we'll find out tomorrow, guys. So don't worry. Well, uh, I mean, if it's dislocated, how long does how long are you out with a dislocated shoulder for? Depends if there's any muscular damage. I think for the dislocation. The ones I've seen in football have usually been about six weeks, roughly. Okay. Well, it looked. I'm not. I'm not a real doctor, guys. <laughs> despite the title. But if it's coming off in a bit of a sling like that and the way you've described it to me, it sounds like a, a dislocation. And if that's maybe a handful of weeks... Then, Diagnosis. Secure. <laughs> then, as, Alex, as Alex says, um, they've, they've got they've got some decent cover there, haven't they? So They have. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow. The boys will be at the press tomorrow for all with us live online friends. Right then, let's do a big old dive into the mailbag, shall we, friends? Um, Rossi, you're our music man. Do you want to sing the mailbag tune? You know what? I've got a, a different twist to it this time. I want to do a like a Big Brother X Factor oh. Britain's Got Talent announcement to it. Like, okay. okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cowie Army, it's time for Mark, Stu, Alex and Roscoe to dip into the mailbag. I like that, Ross. You went all you went all boxing MC on us there. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you know by the by the way I learned this the other day? You know the guy who does you only watch a film trailer and it's always the same guy's voice, you know, in a world where Valor is dead. That guy is called Red Pepper. And he makes God knows how much money off his unbelievable voice. If you find a video of him just talking normally, that's just that's how he talks. So uh, there we go. Maybe we can get Red on the show, Ross, to do your, your little bit you've just done there for the mailbag. You could, you could do that with AI now, I'm pretty sure. No, <laughs> just don't start the... with AI. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't start with AI. I have I'll a job soon, AJ, if you get that. replace us all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put myself back on mute. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? We can have these AI, they don't get tired. You have to pay them. They have holidays. What do we need reporters for? Anyway, moving on. Um, friends. In the time on a tradition, I'm going to ask Ross first because you did such a good job with that intro. 
Do you want uh, football or non-football, Rossi, to kick us off? Non-football, obviously. <laughs> of course. Right then. Right. Uh, so are you, Ross, because you're a man of the world. Foister mm. wants to know. Evening, gents. I've been travelling a fair bit recently. What's your favourite country you've ever been to? And where do you most want to go before the hands of time stop? Before you depart this mortal coil? Boom. What's your uh, favourite country, Rossi? Obviously, you're going to say Italy. Yeah, I love Italy. love the food. Um, I liked going to Budapest last year with um, with a few mates. That, that was nice. Went to the, the spa. Very hot. You know, spa outside, not the spa spa. Yeah, spa. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the hot springs. Yes. Um, but I think there's a few countries on my list. I think I want to go to Barbados um, or maybe somewhere in the Caribbean. I haven't, haven't explored that part of the world yet. So that's on my list, a few countries there. So, so yeah. Barbados is nice, mate. I'd recommend St. Lucia if you look in Caribbean. Mm. Lovely place. Excellent beer. The Piton boys, of course, is who uh, Ginordi Nashton played for over the weekend. Yes. So called cool because St. Lucia has those famous pitons in the sea, one of which I've climbed. But anyway um digressing Stu, what's your favorite country and where do you want to go before you cark it um well favorite country i've always enjoyed road trips around america i've done a, a few of those and greece will be put in summer holiday destinations we've always done greek islands um certainly before our daughter came along that was that was where we go uh quite a lot uh where do i want to go i'd like to go to australia so be, far uh, isn't it mate so far on my bucket list yeah you can go and meet all the listeners we've got out there. We keep getting uh, messages from all our Australian listeners. We're massive down in Melbourne, apparently. Um, AJ, you're obviously the youngest of the group. I don't know how well-travelled you are. Um, wh where's your favourite country and where do you really want to go? Favourite country, I'm going to go to the Netherlands. I grew up there. spent vast majority oh, of, course, of my childhood yeah. over there. So we've never touched on of... this. We've we? never touched on this, no. I remember yeah. when I first kind of brought this up to you guys in conversation, you were like, oh, we'll dig into this in the pod. We're now doing it in like mid-October. So yeah. <laughs> quick progression, guys. Um, yeah, grew up in the Netherlands, kind of had eight or so years there. So there's a lot of nostalgia there. Um, really enjoy going back where I'd like to go. Um all the insects in Australia would freak me out. Like, you know, having a spider the size of your head. Um, Those yeah, exactly. And spiders are like, literally like, like this, aren't they? They'll just eat you alive. They're bad boys, um, yeah. Like the, the idea of South America, but I'm going to go to Japan. I have family over there. I've never been. And it always kind of has intrigued me. So I'd go to Japan. Yeah. I really want to go. There's um, a famous street in Tokyo where they've got loads of restaurants really crammed in though. And they're all tiny. And it's like... Um, yeah. You, you can see, like, but you see videos of it on Instagram every now and then. It's like something out of Blade Runner. Like, it mm. looks, it looks amazing. So I'd love to go there. And and Anthony Bourdain wrote very, very well about being an American in Tokyo. Friends, where, I've in, got a list. where in Holland were you, Alex? So I grew up in Breda, home to the famous Nak Breda. For those of you who have any strong football knowledge, there. Um, that's about. And now, yeah, everything's football with me. Don't laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So oh, it's a football podcast, Mark. Come on. Mm -hmm. um, it's about an hour or so outside of Amsterdam. It's near Tilburg. So that was where I grew up, spent a lot of my time around different places like um, Amsterdam, Nijmegen, Utrecht. But Breda's uh, where I grew up. Yeah, You're a polyglot, aren't you, AJ? Yeah, I like that's what I like to think, at least. I, I, my Dutch has dwindled over time, that's for sure. Um, strongest would be Spanish because I studied it throughout A-level and... 
I've definitely got, I'm half French as well, so I've got a bit of that side to me there as well. Zutala. I know, not very strong on the French side, probably about as strong as the Dutch, but I, I definitely have kind of conversational skills to use here. We need, what we need is town to start dipping into that European transfer market, isn't it? So we can get AJ just interviewing someone in Spanish. I tried to do this a little bit at Millwall because they signed Zian Fleming, the Dutchman, last mm. season. It was we, we managed to kind of have these conversations quite a lot when we were sitting down and, and talking to each other about kind of growing up in Holland, which was always a nice connection to have. But I didn't get to... We only had like basic Dutch conversations and I was kind of a little bit embarrassed. Thinking, oh my God, it's all gone horribly. Well, I can't do this anymore. I've forgotten all of it. And he was going, no, no, you're doing really well, really well. So that, that was my main memory of bringing it into football, yeah. Superb. There we go. We've learned a bit more about AJ there. I feel like we've grown as a group. Um, <laughs> friends, I live my life by lists. Uh, I, I try to pretend that I'm someone who's not... It goes with the flow, just like freestyling, but I've got lists for everything. Lists for everything I eat, where I'm going, what we're doing, and it will come as no surprise in that case then to see that I've got a list on my phone of places that I want to go, countries I want to be, etc. So there's a lot of them. Um, I think my favourite country would probably be Italy, genuinely. Really like Italy. Um, and the Maldives is beautiful. Places I really want to go, there's so many of them, friends. The, the the fjords in Norway look amazing. I want to see the Northern Lights as well out there. Uh, and there's also a place in Canada I really want to go called Moraine Lake, which is in the in the Rockies. But it's that I don't know if you've seen it. It's like um, luminescent blue, but completely uh, transparent, but kind of shines blue. It looks amazing. So that's where I'd, I'd like to go. So many places though, not enough time. You have to work, don't you? It's a real pain in the ass. Anyway, that was a good question. Thanks, Foyster. Kicked us off nicely. Right, I'm going to go to Stu now because there's a question from a friend of the show, Ben BD, Ben Diath, new father, shares that in common with Connor Chaplin. Ben wants to know, Stewie, fully secured as ITSC reporting royalty. Correct. I'm not sure we've ever heard what Stuart's favourite ever game following town is. Perhaps a peek behind the curtain details of a single favourite moment incident too. Top work as always, gents. Thank you. So, Stu, we worked, well, we had a little chat yesterday morning town obviously just turned 145 years old you've almost covered 10 percent of that the watson era <laughs> so it, in that era what's what is your favorite ever town game you've covered can the you remember 10%. individual games you, you go through that 145 <laughs> years and you think you've got like top flight title in the 60s <laughs> yeah. you've got <laughs> fa cup in the 70s uefa cup in the 80s promotion in the early 90s another promotion early noughties and then then I rocked up around 2010, 11, started doing <laughs> So uh, my favourite moment is a recent one. It has to be the Exeter game last season, yeah. promotion. Um, everything around that day, the scenes beforehand with, with everybody greeting the coach beforehand will live with me a long time, racing into a... a what was the, the how many goals was it after half an hour or so? I, I can't remember, but you know, racing into that that big lead five five nil at half time was it? Um, yeah, everything around that kind of the build up to it felt like a a pressure of valve being released after all, having lived through the decade of frustration building up to that. That that felt like a very special day. So it's a recent one, but that that would be the highlight, obviously. There's been others along the way, I guess, for me, rather than kind of the obvious moments of late winners like Chaplow um, Chap and Noel mm. Hunt, which obviously stick in the mind. They'd be more sort of personal ones. The very first game I covered um, 
obviously will stick with me, which was a 3-1 win against Sunderland in September 2006. I kind of stepped in um, quite fresh to the job just to cover that day. And I did the old school green and runner. That's when you wow. can still buy your, your yeah. green and um, in the news agent straight after the game. So that was a good experience. And then there'd probably be more ones that are kind of personal moments with kind of manager interactions after the games than the games themselves kind of... Um, asking Paul Jewell after after Hull whether he was considering his future and, you know, getting the response of, yeah, I have to go away and think about it and seeing him as sort of a broken man that, that day. And then obviously we had the kind of watching the DVD, watching the DVD after the yeah. defeat to Derby afterwards. Um, yeah, Paul Lambert at Oxford with the sort of unbelievable negativity rant and the, the to and fro that we had. Um a few years ago, uh, Mick McCarthy at Leeds, where it was my question that kind of some some people might think that's two points <laughs> dropped me. Yeah. Some people can fuck off, was the, uh, <laughs> which sort of still lives in the uh, Mick McCarthy best ever quotes yeah. pieces online. So yeah, it'd be more the kind of personal interactions as a journalist that kind of make make games stand in your mind a little bit more rather than the games themselves sometimes. So you covered your first game when Alex was like four years old. Oh, whoa, whoa, Ish. whoa, whoa, whoa. When did you say 2006? Yeah. Okay, five, six, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Sorry, Stuart, this, is a, this is a follow-up question. It's probably unfair because obviously you've encountered a lot of people in your time covering town. Is, is there any kind of one individual that stands out that you've enjoyed interacting with, covering, speaking to? Not <laughs> Ross. Ross is pointing <laughs> at himself. Uh, I guess... Probably Mick McCarthy because he was yeah. there for so long, six years. That's been the bulk of my time covering it. He's such a a big character. Um, he's probably been the yeah the biggest the biggest influence um, because of the period of time he's there and the, and the type of type of man he is. Yeah, sharpened up your your interviewing game as well, Big Mick, didn't he? You had to be on your toes, especially when we were showing the press conferences live every week. It's like pay per view yeah. television, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, Kieran McKenna's uh, a joy compared to, yeah, is <laughs> easy, really. You just sort of uh, watch your assessment of that, Kieran, and uh, five minutes later, he's, he's still going. So it's very different compared to some some previous managers. I do wonder with Kieran, I was chatting to someone about this the other day, that over a period of time, whether he'll become, whether his approach with the media, I hope it doesn't change because it's really mm. refreshing, but because he's quite fresh to the job in senior management, whether he'll become more more concise over time if... Ipswich do get to the Premier League and, and Kieran gets there with them, which he'll, he'll get there at some stage. I'm sure some of that will will get sort of knocked out of him a bit because you do a hell of a lot of media yeah. post-match with the Premier League. You're suddenly doing, right, now you need to do BT, now Sky, now you need to do Middle Eastern TV, now you need to do this. And by the time he comes around to sort of speak to us in the, the written press conference, I think they've, they've, they've had enough and they're a bit more succinct with their answers. So... I'll be intrigued to see sort of the evolution of Kieran McKenna with, with the media as he as he gets bigger in his career. Mm. Yeah, one to keep an eye on, certainly. Good answers, Stewie. Rossi, Dan wants to know, this is a football question, when does Tuanzebi see some action? Consensus seems to be Fulham, but that's still quite a way off and they may well go full strength with a potentially easy tie in the next round. So we know, obviously, we've got uh, Axel Tuanzebi, who is vastly experienced, got some good pedigree. Um, still working his way back to fitness. So when do you think we might see him? That that Fulham game, I guess, would be an obvious one. Yeah, that's probably the obvious one because, yeah, 
I can't see him. <laughs> when is that? November the first, isn't it? So what? Two yeah. weeks tomorrow. Weeks so tomorrow. yeah, it's not too far off. Yeah, but then you know, Elkin Baggett's done well in that that competition. George Emerson, mm. of course, came in for the whole game. It's yes, it's a it's an interesting one, really. Um, but it's also exciting to think we've got Axel Twanzebe, you know, just in the background waiting. Um, but yeah, but Fulham's probably the game you think, yeah, he'll come in for definitely mm. future on the bench anyway if he doesn't start. Um, but it'd be an interesting one, you know. You think back in the day, you know, you used to chuck these players in reserve football, but because now on the 21s, you know, it's not not what it used to be. Um, it's, it's sort of wasted time. Of course, you want to get him up to full fitness. The under-21s are playing today. Mm. You know, could he potentially feature in that? Probably not. Um, I'll probably now just butchered my answer there. He could play. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does feature because, you know, he's got that, that pedigree and he's a, he's a, you know, very good defender, but you can't beat, you know, Burgess, Wolford and George Emerson had that great cameo. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see when he comes in. There's no need to rush him, though, is there, boys? I mean, obviously, they've got an established pairing already that are doing pretty well. You don't need to, to rush someone like Tuenzebi into the side. No, there's no rush, but also they've signed him for a reason and they'll want to mm. get him up to speed. I think probably the new year is, is in the back of their minds to have him fully match-hardened with the potential for Cameron Burgess to go away to the Asian Cup. Um, yeah, they've they've obviously treaded carefully with him because of these back issues that he's had and they've been a, they've had the luxury of being able to do that because of the form of the players that are in the team but um I would imagine Fulham is the obvious game but as a three game week coming up um we saw uh, no one predicted George Edmondson suddenly to come in for that midweek hole game recently ahead of, of Cameron Burgess so you can't rule out something like that happening at, at Bristol City midweek next week um I would say it's unlikely with, with Axel Twanzibi to suddenly go straight into a game like that. But um, you never know with Kieran McKenna. He mm. would have also had that game. I mean, I'm pretty sure Town were looking to play a game during the international break, whether that's been done or is happening in the next day or two. So I think that McKenna did say the plan was to have him play, probably start during that one to build him up. And I think the interesting side to it as well, and this is something that she's pointed out a lot, is that when you look at, Kieran McKenna's teams, there's no centre-back on the bench. So that's maybe the dilemma you've got there. He's not a player, uh, sorry, he's not a manager who will look to bring in a centre-back there. He looks to have the versatile options of someone like a Don Ball who can cover in midfield or a right-back and then a centre-back. So maybe a little bit of a, a question mark over whether he'll end up taking someone out or whether you then bring someone, when you kind of go away from the set idea that he has of, of not having the centre-back there to, to bring someone of the quality of Twanzebe in. You love Don Ball, don't you? I do, yes. <laughs> Ex-Cambridge legend. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten there meant to be playing a friendly game during the break. There doesn't seem to have been some radio silence on that, isn't there? So I wonder if that happened. Anyway. Can I, can I be pedantic here? You can't be an ex-legend. No. <laughs> Just one. You're a, you're a legend. You don't get it taken away from you. That's one that yeah. always yeah. Right. This yes. triggers me. I apologise, but I couldn't. I have a to Cambridge point United that out. legend for the like 15 You're games either a legend play. or you're not. You can't be an ex one Cult unless hero. you've done something very bad. That well, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole yeah. thing that I won't de- dive into there. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, the BBC. Yeah. Um, Matty Worrell wants to know. Moving swiftly on. Um, he wants to know, uh, for the pod, if there's room, why do teams continue to swap ends at the start of the game? He says, in my time watching town, I can't remember ever being an advantage or working out. 
So does someone want to take that? Well, it's not. not they obviously want to do it for mind game reasons, don't they? They think, well, Ipswich like to attack the North Stand in the second half. They're sort of main, does it make main vocal fans? Um, I guess it's got to a stage where people are trying anything to disrupt the yeah. form that Ipswich have, have got at home. It's not working. I've seen it happen probably three or four times over the last couple of years. Um, and I think Ipswich have won won every one of those games. I'll have to look back on the stats and that. But uh, yeah, who was that who sent that question in? They're, they're right What's to that? point it out. Matthew Warren. Warren. Yeah, well, yeah well, he's, he's right to point it out. Is uh, is was it? Because um, I think we sometimes I think it's Moore's who makes that decision as well. I think he's he's won a few tosses before. I've seen. I've looked over, and I think he's he's decided it. So okay, maybe they just how they feel because sometimes you've got to think the sun. You know, goalkeepers in the eyes. You know, the sun yeah, in the eyes. I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes the clubs, you know, they do mind games. They look over there. Ah, oh, that's their, that's their main stand. We don't want them to be shooting there first of all. Um, so yeah, but yeah, good, good, good question. Well, ne- next time we get to speak to Sam, we'll uh, I'll ask him about that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Stuart from Spermston asks about West Burns. We've done that kind of. Uh, Charlie Baxter wants to know, with the cricket and rugby World Cups in full swing, which town players do you think would do the best job in either sport? And what position role would they have? Are there any rugby players, cricket players in the town squad? I mean, you're just your obvious go to there for, for rugby, I'd imagine, would be big Cameron Burgess. Um, I know obviously Australian, but Scottish as well. Rugby's big in both those countries. Um, he's got the build for it. I'd imagine he'd be pretty good. Uh cricket. cricket they did they did a, they, they the club put out a clip, didn't they, during pre season? Oh, that's right. When they were playing cricket with the football. Yeah. And they there was controversial, like um, caught behind, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but I forgot who was part of that. So, Massimo Longo must have played cricket as an as Australian as, yeah. a, as a Ute. So uh, he'd and be Burgess cool. as well, I'm sure, because he was, yeah, you know, absolutely. Maybe a rugby. pace bowler. He's got the, again. He's got the height to fuzz that down at. Stewie, you've got any insight on this? Rugby or cricket players in the town squad? I mean, generally speaking, goalkeepers are nuts, aren't they? So they'd probably be good rugby players, like Walton. I'm not sure about Walton. George Emerson, he's a, he's a big boy, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he'd be. Yeah, He loves American yeah, football. I know it's different to rugby, but, you know. Fridge. Loves, yeah, the fridge there, yeah. Yeah, he'd be he'd be a front rower. Um, he's certainly got the build for it. Any any more for any more? You're not going to like my answers to this, but it's going back to the the kind of the size and scariness of but Don Ball again. <laughs> massive. <laughs> I'm talking kind about of... Don Ball. Sorry, but I was just thinking about. I remember when I met him. The first, I think it was after the Preston friendly, and I did the first yeah. interview, and I was like, "Bloody hell!" We had a handshake, and I was like, "Well, that was quite strong." Okay, mate. Um, so that's probably yeah, that would be my answer. Unfortunately, sorry guys. I would say George Hurst might be one for rugby because he's got the size and the speed, which is an unusual sort of combination. I think he'd be he'd be one that might be, and he loves he loves running in behind. Um, he's northern though, so it'd be rugby league surely for him. Maybe rugby league is an even more mental game than rugby union. How about Caden Jackson on the wing as well, sort of Brian Habana style? Speed merchant on the wing, maybe a bit undersized, but bloody hell, you can't catch him. Um, excellent, thanks, Charlie. Right, and this is one of my favorite questions I think we've ever had. Certainly, the question of the week, I would say. I'm going to put it to you, Stu, because we've been talking about him already. How would McKenna do with McCarthy's 14 15 side, and how would Big Mick do with the current side? Excellent question. Um I'm sure Big Mick would have loved to have uh, 
had the odd million pounds, million and a half to spend here and yeah. there. Um, I, I know people have <clears throat> picked up on him. Sort of, I know he did a bit of punditry recently where he was glowing in his praise of Ipswich, but did mention, you know, um, you know, they've obviously got a healthy budget or something to to that extent. I mean, he's right to point that out. He, he, for his six years or so, he had frees and loans, so we'll never know what what he might have been able to do with a little bit more money here and there. Um, you back Kieran McKenna to to get the very best out of whatever he inherits. He's the way he's improved certain players here. What, could he have could he have squeezed any more out of that 14-15 side? It's hard. I think they were operating at their very upper limits. I'm not sure mm. that there was a, technically there was loads more that that could be got out of that particular group. I'm not sure. Um, it's an interesting thought, that's for sure. And would, would and vice versa, would Big Mick kind of suck a suck a bit of the creative flair out of this group and yeah. you know be a bit more about sort of would we wouldn't be getting these kind of four threes and three twos and things like that at the moment. I think there would be a a natural instinct to maybe kind of shut up shop and, and stop that side of things um potentially. But it's an interesting hypothetical. It really is. I wonder how a game between the two sides would play out, that playoff side. And the current town side. Interesting. Very interesting. Right. Uh, Sam Edwards wants to know, uh, AJ, is Clark now second choice at right back? Seems crazy to say after his impact since January, but I can't see Williams being dropped. And what about Janoy, the forgotten man? He says, imagine telling Clark or Williams they're not playing in the Norwich game. You love giving me a right back question, don't you? Um, you love right backs, mate. You keep banging about Don Ball. That was your hot take. Should, I, should I bring him into this? <laughs> Yeah, this, this argument yeah, there, yeah. the the fifth forgotten right back there, <laughs> or whatever number we're at now, um, hard to look past Brandon Williams at the moment, isn't it? Because I think of anyone, he'll probably be the the one who's probably got the points proved going into the Norwich game there, given everything that's happened there in the past. Um, as a long term thing, I think it's so good to have that flexibility because, as well, with um, Towns fullbacks there's so much energy going into them and I think that we saw that a lot with Leif Davis and it's good to have that cover there we've seen him have a, a few injury bits and pieces so it's good to have the cover on the left as well when you've got someone like Brandon Williams who can play there so I think the most important thing is having the depth um, but if you're kind of doing a depth ranking yeah I think at the moment it might sound insane looking at the influence that Clark's had but Brandon Williams coming in with the pedigree that he has with the connection to the fans that he's managed to build up with the performances that he's been putting in. And I think it is harsh because you look at Clark's injury as well, that probably kind of derailed him a little bit at the start of the season. Yeah. I, that's how I would play it out. Also important to maybe look a little bit ahead of that as well. What's the long-term thing here? Is town going to be in a position where they can then go and sign Brandon Williams in the summer and get that deal done if they wanted to, to make sure that he has a long-term future here. Is it going to be one where he goes back to Man United or somewhere else? And then you're looking at having, kind of reintegrating Harry Clark into becoming the first choice right back again. Tough balance to find. Um, then you've got Janoy Denassian in there as well, of course, um, where, yeah, that does then become quite a lot of options. Obviously, he has versatility there. I think he can kind of cover over at centre-back as well. Um, headaches overall for, for Kieran McKenna, but I think it's hard to look past Brandon Williams. I did see there's been a lot of debate and kind of a big question posed on Twitter. Don't know what you guys think about this. If you had to sign, if you got the, the option to sign one of Brandon Williams and Amari Hutchinson, which route would you go down? 
that that's kind of the the twist in it because I was thinking about this having seen this floating around on on Twitter and you know, like my head's going oh Mari Hutchinson really high ceiling lots of potential but you look at what Brandon Williams has done at town so far it's really exciting mm, good one um, Rossi, can we just say oh, before we move on have we learned our lesson now about players having slightly poor debuts or slightly underwhelming debuts now with yes. Brandon Williams remember how people felt after he had that slightly iffy moment against Leeds when he came on and then an own, yeah. an own goal at Reading and now you know Everyone's falling over themselves to say he's his first choice right back and how, how brilliant it is. Keep that in mind when Axel Twenzebi makes his debut and there might be a little bit of rustiness at some stage. Let's just keep that all in mind now. We've learned our lesson. We've done it before with Shawnee Aluko. We've, we've had various other reference points. Leif Davis, Leif Davis yeah. giving a pen away on his debut. Just just keep that in mind when, when oh, Axel you're, plays. You're so grown up and thoughtful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's actually a sign that they're going to be a good player, isn't it, if, they, if they're shy on their <laughs> debut? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Rossi, Maddie Reader says, Kings, you're decorating your lounge. I don't know if you've recently decorated your lounge, Rossi. I know you're looking uh, potentially at purchasing a house in short order. So which, if you were in that situation when you've got your new house, Rossi, and you're decorating your lounge, which current town player would you ask for help and why? Uh, you want maybe a tall player potentially because they can really reach. <laughs> I, know you've got ladders, I know you've got ladders yeah. and stuff, and you've got these extendable, it's extender, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you want it to get done, you don't want them to be like half arsed, you don't want them to like go, oh, yeah, I'll come back to that tomorrow or whatever. You yeah. want it to get done in the day, so yeah, Sam Morsey, obviously, because you know he's he, he gets shit done, doesn't he? In that midfield, he'd have it done, he'd have it done by you'd be there at 6 a.m., he'd have it done by eight, and then he'd go yeah. for a 15 mile run, pretty much. So yeah, Sam Morsey. I don't know if he, I don't know if that's, that's something he does. You know, in his spare time, um, <laughs> a sideline perhaps. Sam, yeah. If you're interested, go and uh, deco- help Rossi decorate his lounge. Uh, Stewie, have you got any thoughts on that? Are there any particularly? Um... Can I? I'm just going to get in before Alex here and say Don Ball. <laughs> <laughs> that was he was the man that came to my head, and I'm not really sure why. I kind of thought about this. I thought. Sam Morsi might have two high standards for me here, right? My budget yeah. might not be huge. Yeah. I think Sam would be like, well, no, if you want to do this properly, mate, yeah. I think he'd, he'd want it's to do cost. everything to the letter. Yeah. And uh, I think Don Ball would just, I think he'd be coming. He's everything I want from a tradesman that's going to come into my house. We're going to have a good, solid five, 10 minute chat while I make him a brew in the morning. Yeah. Um, but then he's going to, he's going to want to crack on. He knows I need to crack on with the day <laughs> and he'll, he'll just get on with it and he'll, he'll give me some, you know, he won't be too pushy with his advice as well. He'd be like, oh, personally, mate, I wouldn't put that there because of because of the angles and this. And I, I think, yeah, no, you're right, Dom. You know what you're doing. You crack on, mate. Um, and I think he'd charge me a fair price, get the job done. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Dom Ball. Dom Ball definitely knows how to put shelves up, doesn't he? I mean, I reckon he'd probably, he'd probably sort something else out for you before you left as well. He'd be like... Ugh. The door's not hanging quite right, Stewie. Do you want me to sort that out? Just yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll just just shave it yeah. off the bottom of that for you. That's only exactly. a job, no worries. That's a great answer. I'm not going to you, don't worry. Yeah, we're mates, aren't we? Had a good chat. Um, where should we go next? Uh, AJ. I'm assuming by Alex's silence, he just would have said Don Ball as Don well. Don Ball, yeah. yeah. Don Ball, <laughs> I think. I might, would I be allowed to? Would I be allowed to have Kieran McKenna? Because I feel like here's the argument with Kieran McKenna. Oh, mate, the Kieran McKenna would take ages. Kieran McKenna, yes, but right. We're talking about like working within your means. Yeah. Kieran McKenna has what you give him, and he does the best possible job. If he takes ages, fair enough. But whatever you give him, he'll do 
absolutely the best. That would be my first answer. I wouldn't be allowed him. Who was it who had a decorator in before we had this conversation? Was it Connor Chaplin? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so maybe he's learned some skills and we'll go to Connor Chaplin alternatively. Yeah. Kieran McKenna would take three weeks to do your lounge and you'd have like, you'd, bring, you'd have all these diagrams and like, he'd show you, he'd show you like a video as to what was, how he's going to do it and how he's going to compartmentalize his day, wouldn't he? Um, He'll redo yeah. it as well. He'd go, no, that's not good enough. Got to Actually, redo that's, that. that's He'd not be there from like 6am till 8pm every day. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah. God, would you have a beautiful house? My God. And he's, he'd have only yeah. just painted like half a wall in that time. Or if you want like an architect, you're getting the whole kitchen done. He's thought yeah. about how you're going to maximise every last bit of cupboard space and, and everything. Yeah, and ergonomically. Yeah, you want, to, you want the shortest possible time to go from your fridge to your, <laughs> yeah. to your oven. It's going to make your life so much easier. Of movement, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he'd so yeah, stumble. He'd, yeah. <laughs> McKenna would also make you feel really good about yourself as well, wouldn't he? Be like fully, you'd be going, you know, you know, and you feel like actually, I think I should take that university course. You know, it's not too late to retrain, all that kind of stuff. Uh, right, AJ, excellent question. Who is that from, by the way? That was Maddie, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Thanks, Maddie. Uh, FPL Tractor wants to know AJ Ipswich Town, one hundred and forty-five shares a birthday with Disney, one hundred. Who do you share a birthday with? Do you know? Um, I did. I had a look at this one on Twitter last night, and I did some research, and I've now slightly forgotten, to be honest. But there was one really good one that I found. I'm trying to. Gordon Ramsay. It was oh, Gordon that's quite Ramsay. Good. That's very my... similar personality as well. Blimey! All right, I, I'm the only one who hasn't sworn on this podcast yet, at least today. Um, I yeah, I don't think there's a great deal else that will fall on the November eighth list. So I think I'm probably November eighth. Let's have a look for you. Let's do this live. Oh wow! Oh, look, these are all YouTube stars. I don't. Oh want no! Nonsense! Don't do any of that. According to one of these apps, one of them's Vlad the Impaler, fourteen thirty-one. <laughs> Again, so... very similar personality to yourself. <laughs> How, who do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> so your birthday's coming up, AJ. Not too long. Yes. Are you doing yeah, um, Watching well, football? Massive, yeah, watching football. Um, I yeah, Probably just a meal, family and the girlfriend. And I've got yeah, I've got some time booked off. Don't forget that. It's in the diary. Right. Um, the diary yeah, you, you sounded really upset when I said that. Um, yeah. Got some, I've got some football ones for you for November 8th. Joe Cole, Morgan Schneidlin, Alan Kerbishley. Joe Cole, really? I didn't know that. Okay. There was a period where Alan Kerbishley was linked with, every time Tam was looking for a manager, Alan Kerbishley was, was like linked with it. Um, Give me some the, more birthdays, guys. I already know the Do best life one. Go on then. My birthday, June 20th, Lionel Richie shares Ooh. a birthday with, with me, which I'm pretty happy about so we play some Lionel Lionel every time the Heathmeister has a birthday Rossi how about yourself there's one guy who's very similar to me very <clears> similar <throat> and his name is Brock Lesnar oh yeah very similar build <laughs> yeah very similar very similar but uh good old Brock what's, what's old uh what's old Brocky boy doing these days is he still doing the old wrestling he's doing a bit of wrestling yeah he's doing, yeah, still still a big lad obviously oh yeah uh, yeah um but yeah, 
Brooklyn. He's living in a hut eating horses somewhere. He does. I think, I think he does that. I don't know. He's definitely in, he's got a farm. Like live horses. Like he yeah. hasn't like cooked them yet. He just takes big bites out of them. Just bites I'll the have head to, um, while we talk, I'll have to look at so uh, what's everyone's birthday and see if there's a town player who has the same birthday as everyone. I'll have a little look. So twenty this, this is a this is an article for you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's the same birthday as Stu, Alex, Heathy, <laughs> and Ross. Uh, so what's the what's the birthdays quickly? I'll, I'll come back to this to end November eighth. November eighth. Uh, do, do you do you know while Ross is doing that research, you you share birthday? January fifteenth. I've got Martin Luther King. That's oh, a good one. that is a good one. That is very good. Also, Claudia Winkleman. If you're asking, an excellent host. The football ones were slightly disconcerting. I had I had El Hedge Duve and Jermaine Pennant. Ooh. I don't know what that means. Ooh. Who would have like the best the best birthday party if you invited like everyone else who had like a birthday party? on the same birthday? Well, I know. I think Gordon I... Ramsay with mine. Well, he'd cater it. I'd get Lionel yeah. to sing. Uh, yeah, we'd get Martin Luther King to give us a speech. Probably be a bit long um, and a bit serious. A bit heavy. <laughs> Bit heavy, yeah. Keep it light, Martin. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> ah, excellent. Jermaine Pennant's on uh, Severy SAS, by the way. He got medically withdrawn last night. He had heat stroke. Oh, spoiler. Just as an aside. Uh, excellent. And another one on the 145-year-old theme, Stewie. What is the ideal gift for a 145-year-old, Stuart's Gloves wants to know? Um, death. Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or a good other question. KOA merchandise. Oh, of course. Yeah. Available. That's definitely what a 145 year old would want a KOA hoodie yeah. and a, uh, and a, Peace, and a ball, peaceful end. A ball trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Nonsense. I do enjoy mailbag shows. Right then, let's do a proper serious one. And this is, this is one I've been kind of wanting to ask myself but i'm going to ask i'm going to ask you stewie ben prickett says with lots of talk now about mckenna being on the radar of other clubs what do the kings think it would take to prize him away and which club country poses the biggest risk to us right we've had this chat before we've talked about brighton but i wanted to mischievously ask you as mckenna continues to be this successful hopefully he will be and man united continue to lurch from one crisis to another there's obviously there a natural link between mckenna and united if that job becomes available, do you think McKenna would be talked about with it? Or would he need to go away and, and, and manage another club before he could make that jump? Uh, the latter. I think yeah. <clears throat> I think there needs to be a stepping stone before he can become Manchester United manager. I think there's every chance that he, he becomes goes full circle and becomes Manchester United manager. I think that highly mm. often. Um, but I can't see... A scenario where it go where he goes from Ipswich to Manchester United. I think they're too big a club for for that to happen. Yeah. Um. And I. Yeah. I keep coming back to Brighton. I've said it for quite a while. I've looked down the list of the Premier League again today, and I just think you can discount other clubs in the bracket of Manchester United. All the all the big names that we that I just think would be too a step too far. For him, then I look at sort of that bottom half of the Premier League when you're talking about Wolves, Fulham, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, whoever. I don't think that that would be enough of a lure for Kieran McKenna to walk away from the project and the stability and everything that's drawn him to Ipswich Town at the moment. Brighton just seemed to hit that sweet mm. spot for me because I think he's he was 
by all accounts, he was on their radar before. I think he takes, there's an interview, he's done an interview with Henry Winter, I see Kieran McKenna over the international break, where he's referenced again, taking a lot of influence from the style of play from Deserby and things like that. Um, I just think that they would tick a lot of the boxes that would be big enough to lure him, to give him the sort of the project, the stability. Um, he would do a lot of the things that they would want in improving the players that he's got. When when Deserby was getting linked to Real Madrid and people like that fairly recently, that was just it's just always been in the back of my mind that one. But um, in general, I'm I'm pretty pretty sort of calm about um, certainly this season at the very least. Um, kind of, I'm sure there'll be little moments where jobs become available and his name gets chucked around, much like it did in the summer. But mm. um, I'm pretty relaxed about that, and f- certainly till the end of this season, and then then we'll have to kind of see where where everything's at. He's definitely not the sort of guy who's going to jump ship, is he? On a kind of snap decision, as it were. It would need to be 100% the right club, and the whole culture around it, and the growth, etc., would be there for him to do. Right, let's take one more uh, non-football question, and jump back into the football. Rossi Reese Curtis wants to know: with Christmas approaching and shops displaying Christmas stock, are they bloody hell? Uh, he says, in my opinion, far too early. When do the Kings think is too early? When does your Christmas tree come up slash down? Do you know what I did this weekend, boys, in the international break? Bought my first Christmas presents. That's right. Got a list on my phone. Started at the end of September. What I'm going to buy for everyone, the pricing, when I've got it, all that kind of stuff. It's my time to shine, baby. Um, but, Ross, when when is too early for Christmas, in your opinion? Because it gets earlier every year, doesn't it? Well, I think you know this. I'm a bit of a Grinch. I don't really care about Christmas, to be honest. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Like Christmas food, happy days, presents, yeah, happy days. But all the other shit that goes with it, like, nah. So it's Sasha who sorts out the tree and all that sort of stuff. To be fair, she sorts out the presents for all the family, to be fair. Really <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't surprise just, me remotely in any way. I just tied up on Christmas Day. All right, give me some food. Happy days. Give me a present. Boom. Um, <laughs> the spirit of Christmas. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah. Stu, I know you're going to have a good answer to this. When, because you have a young daughter, which, and obviously, I think I can't see many reasons for having children, but I think Christmas would definitely be one. The magic of Christmas through a child's eyes, a beautiful thing. So, when does Christmas start in the Watson household? <clears throat> um, I think December's a fair, fair point, isn't it? Yeah. When does the tree go up? First of December, there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when I, whenever I get chance, early December. Do you go and buy like a live one now? Well, not a live one, one that's been cut down, a real one. I don't know what we're going to do this year because we've got a pet, we've got a house bunny now. Ah, cool. We're How is Blue? Trying to eat everything in sight, so we've got to be a little bit careful. We've got quite a big, we've got a, a fake one that comes down from the loft every year. We've had it, it's, it's had a good run. Yeah. But um, I need to probably get, I might get a real one and elevate it a little bit and have to we've, be, uh, be careful with the needles. Bluey for a while. How is Blue? good. Yeah, he's a good lad. He's officially a house rabbit now, is he? Because yeah, originally roaming around downstairs at the moment. Outstanding. Need some more bluey content. Sure, I've forgotten about bluey. Uh, AJ, when does Christmas happen for you? You're in, you're yeah. still in the throes of of, of youth, and you you've got a, a blossoming relationship with a young lady. Uh, mm-hmm. Does Christmas become more special for you? Yeah, I mean, at this stage of youth, you sit in by the tree waiting for Father Christmas to come. All that <laughs> yeah, <kind of> stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Probably start of December would be when you start to get into the spirit. I'm sorry to kind of copy everyone else's answer, but it makes the most sense. Um, yeah, my girlfriend, it's always an important time. You go off and 
do lots of things. You know, stuff like Winter Wonderland in London, and I don't go massive on it, but you take advantage of what you can do. Um, I remember you getting called out for being um, sorry, Ross, uh, for being Scrooge on Twitter the other day, preparing for for Christmas at the EADT. After I can't remember what it was now. There was a conversation. Yeah, you want Twitter. you wanted you wanted you wanted to put things on expenses at the England game, which you were there. I didn't fan. say anything like that. <laughs> I all I did was posted a uh, posted a photo of the game, and all of a sudden there was this massive thread underneath, and you were being called Scrooge. Wow. So I don't know if that's your your take on um, on on Christmas in general, but yeah, I'd go. I love you. I bloody love Christmas. Call oh. me Mister Christmas. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, being a journalist is shit at christmas because more often than not particularly in the job we do now there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to be done around christmas um, so you don't really get a lot of time off but i love christmas always have done um give me a bit of mariah carey and i'm happy uh so yeah i've already i've already started buying christmas presents as i say i wake right up on um christmas day and i know exactly i'm just gonna wake up and go happy town versus leicester eve yeah <laughs> to be my fair. Proper, in my proper football mind yeah to be fair, if that conti- if they continue in the form they are, that game on Boxing Day is so perfectly set up, isn't it, for a, mm-hmm. a Christmas cracker? Because you, that piece you did that by that point they would have played everyone else apart from each other, right? Yeah. And if they're still clear of everyone else, it's going to be one of the biggest games the championship has seen for a long time. It's going to be amazing, and two t- two sides who play really really nice football. And I've got some incredible players. Do you know what I've realised looking at the fixture list uh, is that if, big if, if Ipswich can get through against Fulham, the mm. next round sits in between Norwich and Lee, uh, between the, Norwich and the, Leeds, the, yeah. the week before Christmas, yeah. So yeah. you'd be Norwich, then you'd be squeezing in a, a latter rounds Carabao Cup tie before before that, building up to Christmas. That is going to be a, a very hectic little period this year. Exciting, exciting though. Uh, right, uh, football question now, and this is to the this is to the room, the floor, because we had a lot of questions about January, boys. We say when's too early for Christmas? When is it too early to start talking about January transfer window? Um, Richard Lee's asked about with the whole squad looking strong. Where would you like to see improvements in January? There's other questions about January whose names I don't think I've grabbed, but we had. If you did ask about January, thank you. Um, and this is where we're going to talk about it. Who wants to talk about this in terms of... I know, uh, obviously, it's way too early to start talking about particular targets, but is there anywhere already that you're thinking town need to be strengthening, as strange yeah. as that sounds? One yeah. area in particular that stands out for me, and that is midfield, which is baffling to think, given how we kind of wrote off the midfield areas a lot throughout the summer with the depth that town have. You now have to factor in the fact that Lee Evans is going to probably miss the season and then also yeah. factor in the fact that you're looking potentially obviously a bit 50 50 with sam morsey going away on internationals mm-hmm. um at the start of 2024 same with massimo luongo now as well yeah and all of a sudden you're kind of looking at if you went in at the moment you'd have uh jack taylor and what i don't want to say the alternative you probably have in midfield there because i'll get laughed at um but the options are fairly kind of scarce in that sense and I think that even if it's kind of a six month loan deal where you then bring the kind of the core players back you're then in a position to um, not necessarily overload the squad in midfield because there are a lot of options there still it's just kind of this little uh, period of kind of a month or two where things could get a little bit 
difficult in the depth there. So I definitely would like to see Town invest. It's a really a, important a period as well. Looking at, I was looking at the, how the dates of the Asian Cup and Afcon kind of lined up with Ipswich fixtures. Um, both of those tournaments run virtually the exact same days. It's from sort of January twelfth to February tenth. Um, 13th to the 11th with with AFCON. So it's essentially the same period of time. And that coincides with Ipswich playing Sunderland at home, Leicester away in the early stages of those that tournament. So big games. Um, could be as few as two games. It could be as many as um, six league games, if depending on how deep into the tournament Australia and Egypt go. Um, and traditionally, they, they tend to go quite far in, into these tournaments. So... Yeah, central midfield's an interesting one, isn't it? I think if Morsi doesn't go and you say that's a 50-50, you know, Morsi Taylor with, with backup from Ball, Humphreys, Harness, you could even call Idris El Mazzouni back, who's captain in Leighton Orient mm. for a bit of cover. I know Orient fans won't thank me for saying that. You could probably um you could probably cope if it was just Massimo Luongo, but if it's the two of them going, I think you're right. That starts to look a, a little bit thin for some big games there. Um so yeah, that's what that's one area. Likewise, if Cameron Burgess goes away, um, you're looking at Wolfenden and then Twanzebi and Edmondson, who both, as as we sit here now, there's there is some slight sort of fitness uh, doubts over, over both of those as well. And that's you know that's the spine of your side mm. um, at a, a pretty crucial stage of the season. So um, yeah, may, maybe one of one of those two areas is something that that will need to be looked at, but. It's difficult if you're trying to just bring someone in as a temporary cover. Those are not necessarily the easiest deals to do. Or do you try and go and do something significant with kind of half an eye on on the future? Um, yeah, I mean, there's if it, they'll do well to replicate the success of, of last January, won't they, Ipswich, in terms of that? But they upgraded the squad with with a step up in mind if, if they're there or thereabouts come January. Um you know they might try and recruit with kind of half an eye on the Premier League and do some some something reasonably big in in various different departments. Just because they're, they're looking good in in different areas of the squad at the moment doesn't mean to think that they can't go and upgrade in in all sorts of different departments. Who knows? God, it's exciting, isn't it? Mm. I, I normally hate the January transfer window. It's the worst window by a million miles, but in that scenario, it could be very exciting indeed, couldn't it? Right. I want to ask three more questions. There are there's one football one and two non-football ones, and that'll take us to the end of mailbag and then the end of the show. I'm going to start with you, Rossi, because it's a question from the sweetest of Welsh princes, friend of the show, Mr. Harvey Davis, Esquire. He says, Evening Kings, hope you're well. Hope you're well too, Harvey. Mrs. Sweet Welsh Prince is autumn obsessed in capital letters. Every day she comes back with new autumn decorations. I currently have two pumpkins outside my house. My question is. Do I put my foot down or let her express herself McKenna style? And he, then he asks, and friends, what's the best season of all? So, Rossi, you know, of all of us, you know the sweetest of Welsh princes better than anyone. Mm. What do you reckon he should do? So he's got he's got gourds of different sizes all over his house, pumpkins coming out of the gills. The missus likes it, though. What should he do? If she starts putting the decorate like the Halloween decorations up and she goes a bit mental with that, then yeah, put your foot down. But um, <laughs> it's just pumpkins and just some nice little bits and bobs. Just you know, you got to keep them happy, don't you? You got to keep the other halves happy. This is this so, is uh, it. You know. Never a truer saying than "happy wife, happy life." Yeah. If it makes if it makes Mrs. Sweetwash Prince happy, 
it should make you happy, Harvey. <laughs> Bluntly, just let it get on with it. If it makes makes her happy, fantastic, yeah. brilliant. That's that would be my advice. How about best season, Ross? Have you got a favourite season? I love the summer. I do love the summer. To be fair, I'm a, I'm a summer baby. You know, I was born in July. Um, love the sun, <laughs> not too hot, um, but I just, I just love it. Um, love to get the shorts out. I've I've even got my shorts, you know, on now. You know, here's my legs, boys. Um, I hope you do have shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, summer for me to be fair. Almost saw the boys there, Ross. Uh, <laughs> okay. so, me, me and you had a conversation yesterday. Uh, I think we both actually genuinely do suffer from sads. I I hate like the dark January winter period. It's miserable. Um, have you got a fa- have you got a favourite season? If that's our combined. Least yeah, favorite. spring for that reason because it yeah. brings to, to an end right. winter. You know, g- genuinely, um, I do get affected by sort of the darker, yeah. the shorter days and the, the cold and um, all of that. The stress associated. You, you love Christmas. I find it quite stressful trying to sort of please family spread out all across the country and fit that all in around work. Um, yeah, combined with the dark and the cold and everything, I don't, I don't have a lot of time for it. So. When when spring is sprung, that's that's uh, my my happy place. Watson skipping through the tulips. Uh, AJ, have you got a favorite a favorite season? Yeah, I kind of voice the. I hate that it gets dark at about two o'clock. I'm not looking forward to playing Leeds at three o'clock on the Saturday, essentially under the floodlights. For example, um, on December twenty second, off the top of my head, definitely spring because the summer every few years there's no football. What are you going to do? We, we spoke about this kind of thing where, where Stu was saying, you know, on the Saturday, what are you doing? You get drunk go, around the shops. Go to the pub. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> At least in the spring, what you have is you're, you're getting dragged out of this dreary, dark shite, essentially. And yeah. you're in a position where it's starting to heat up. You're looking... You're also... I think that maybe aside to this, aside from the football, is when you have your summer holidays booked, sometimes some, the best bit is when you're kind of in the build-up to it and you, you're mm. kind of... Finishing up, it's getting warm, and you know you're getting nearer and nearer and nearer. Lovely feeling. I like to go away in February, <laughs> March, to get away mm. from the the miserable dark days. Um, so yeah, take holidays. That would be my advice. Not you boys though, because you can't <laughs> take holidays. <laughs> right then, uh, two more questions. Luke wants to know updated league predictions based on what you've seen so far. Now then, last night I put up the uh, kind of bit of nonsense. Um, which always goes down well, which is a supercomputer latest prediction. It's like a car crash. You know you shouldn't want to look at it, but you can't help yourself. You just want to have a little peek, see what the supercomputer says Town are going to do. The latest supercomputer friend says Town are going to finish second, six points clear of Leeds. Leicester City are going to run away with the league um, and win the league, I think, by like 16 points from Town. Um, what have you seen so far that's made you change your mind, perhaps, from what you thought you might see? Has anything changed your mind in terms of the way the league might play out. I think we all had Leicester, apart from you, AJ, to win the league. Uh, and Leeds was up there. Southampton, Southampton were up there, weren't they? Quite a lot. And and they've been up and down. Um, any any thoughts on this, boys? Um, yeah, I mean, my predictions are a little bit all over the place. I remember talking through the summer with Ross and he said, oh, you've got to make sure you have some nice bold picks for your first, your first uh, predictions uh, show. And I was thinking... Oh, I could have some really good ones there. I think I had Coventry finishing second and things like that. Um, overall, I think it is hard to look past Leicester at this stage. I also think that 
Leeds has kind of been highlighted that there's definitely something there. And I think if they have a strong January as well and they can keep a hold of the attacking strength they have, maybe have a little bit more depth at the back and sort out the consistency issues, there's a real threat there. Um, at the moment, I can't see past the three teams in Leicester, Ipswich and Leeds because I look at the rest of the league, having watched the games on Sky, having watched the highlights, having seen them play against town. And I, I don't really feel as a core standout in that chasing pack. Um, the one to watch out, as I kind of put in that Ipswich-Leicester piece, the one to watch out for, I think, is going to be Leeds because you look at the squad, you look at the way that they're playing. When they're at their best, they're dismantling teams. You look at what they did to Millwall, you look at what they did to Watford. And if they can now start doing that on a consistent basis and kind of start to cut the gap, then it's going to put a real load of pressure on probably town more than Leicester, because I think Leicester are really good at grinding out the results, but a lot of pressure on town to, to start doing the same and build up a, a consistent run, and that's going to be really hard when you look at the fixtures they have in January and February. Mm. Any thoughts on this, boys? I mean, clearly none of us expected town to start quite as well as they have, so that would be something we didn't expect, but is everything else kind of playing out how you how you thought it might, boys, Stewie? Just <clears throat> Googling what I'd written before the season started, I... <clears throat> Excuse me, I did Ipswich to finish eighth. I think I'd be upgrading that now. Mm. I think I'm in a place a quarter of the way into the season with the way Ipswich have played and the points tally they've posted to be, I think, reasonably confidently talking about a top six finish um, at the moment. Um, I'd got Middlesbrough alongside Leicester in my top two. That didn't look great in the first few weeks, but they're, they've picked up. They're, they're picking up big time now under Michael Carrick. And I think even when they weren't winning games, the, their underlying stats were, were pretty strong. I'm not sure about top two, but I still think they could they could get up there in, into the top six. Um, I've seen enough from teams like Southampton and Hull, even though Ipswich have beaten them both, to think that their style of play could come good over the over the long haul and uh, get themselves kind of in the picture likewise Preston I'm not I'm not sure will last the distance from, from what I saw of them in pre-season and and the game recently but um it's starting to take shape the table but it, it still does tell a few lies I would say at, at this stage don't look at it till Christmas that's what Kieran McKenna says <laughs> and then he says he doesn't look at it anyway um right then final question and it's a good one from our friend Peter Warsaw correspondent who I saw was in a fine Suffolk pub, the Anchor at Wobbleswick. Best fish and chips in Wobbleswick, by the way. Uh, best fish and chips in Suffolk, the Anchor in Wobbleswick, I would say. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed your trip there, Peter. He says, hey, guys, hope you all enjoyed a well-deserved weekend off. I'd like to know what, in your opinion, is the greatest bit of sports commentary on TV or radio? Cheers and keep up the good work. There's a lot of commentary out there, boys. Have you got any particular favourite bits of sports commentary that live long in your mind? Rossi, you want to kick us off here? Have you got anything that... I'm doing an easy one because that's what I think of straight away when I when I saw this question. Aguero! <laughs> <laughs> exactly how it went. Yeah. I thought you'd go that, that some people are on the pitch, they think it's all over. I mean, that's probably the most yeah. famous bit of sports commentary in, in probably English sports history. Mm-hmm. I guess you've got the old Royster Premiership one, haven't you, for town? Yeah. Um, you boys got any any that stick out? I have a little bit of well, it's not really left field, but we're going to go 2010 World Cup opening goal for South Africa. The I'm going to butcher the name now. The Shabalala one, where um, 
they he says golf for Africa, uh, golf for all of Africa. There's golf for South Africa, golf for all of Africa, which I think was a brilliant one, especially when there was kind of all the build up around it being an African World Cup. And yeah. I think everyone kind of probably of my generation looks back as kind of you know having missed the glory World Cups, um, looks back at the 2010s as kind of the 2010 World Cup is probably the best one in recent memory. So really? I think there's a lot of kind of nostalgia. When you look at maybe compared to, well, definitely compared to things like 2014, 2018. Yeah, I think that 2010 is the one that stands out for a lot of people, maybe because of the Shakira song, maybe because <laughs> Spain were good fun, you know, things like that. Italian That's interesting, even. isn't it? I think yeah. everyone, everyone's favourite tournament, I think in your mind, is the one that you're kind of your first... Exactly, major tournament mm. you kind of romanticize and glorify like 2010 to me in my mind i don't know it just says fades into isn't that into well, the yeah, rest what, of it what happened with england we lost to germany is that when we lost to germany Ro- rooney shouting down the lens not nice to see your own supporters back in you or something yeah yeah that's right uh, it was a was it a draw with who was it we drew really badly with someone didn't we and then that was a rooney outburst and they, they got knocked out by germany was it quite heavily yeah, but I was living in the Netherlands at this point still, and they made it all the way to the final. And I remember seeing like dogs being walked down the street, spray painted in orange, and things like that. <laughs> so this probably also kind of romanticizes the idea about it. Oh dear, yeah, Italian ninety would be uh, would be an iconic World Cup for me, and probably for you too, I'd imagine. Um, obviously, you were not even not even close to being alive by then, AJ. Neither was Sorry. was Rossi. Any any commentary for you? Say, Mark, that Italia ninety is slightly too early for me as well. What? Uh, uh, what's your favourite World Cup then? My favourite World Cup ninety eight. Euro ninety six is the one that kind of yeah. That's my my childhood. That's the first major tournament that really kind of hooked me and everything that went around that. Um, I loved Italia ninety. If you go back now and watch any of the games, they're, they're mostly shit. But the, the opening game where Cameroon beat Argentina and literally beat them, physically assaulted them, had two players sent off. Guy kicked Kanija uh, so hard that his boot came off. Um, was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Worth just Googling that today if you've not seen it. Um, Cameroon, Argentina, first game of the 1990 World Cup. Have you got any favourite commentaries to you, which is where we started before you, you start well, pointing out how old, how sorry, old yeah. I am? Sorry, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think Ipswich fans would uh, expect us to talk about David Coleman's... Uh... Osborne one nil. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. From from seventy eight uh, is a good one from an Ipswich perspective. Um, have you seen those two Australian lads that do the lip syncing over over commentary no. on uh, social media? They get take bits of sort of commentary, and there's just the two of them with headphones on. I have to find their names. I enjoy some of those. They did a good one around the darts commentary recently of the uh, the epic. Uh, I can't remember the two players, both going for nine darters in the same leg. I can't speak. <laughs> you have to look that one up. That's good. I think my favourite bit is um, is a really old one, actually. And it was before I was born, um, but I've since watched it a lot. And it was uh, David Frost, who wasn't a regular commentator. Obviously, he was a TV host and personality who commentated, I think, for the world feed on the mm-hmm. Rumble in the Jungle. When Muhammad Ali beat George Foreman. And going into that, Muhammad Ali stands alone as this kind of mythical guy who just did things that we just thought to be impossible. And at that time, there was genuinely talk about him going to fight Foreman, who'd never lost before, was knocking everyone out, just destroyed Joe Frazier. And people genuinely thought that Muhammad Ali at 34, I think he was, was going to get seriously hurt. And in that fight, which is obviously the rope fight, 
uh, David Frost, he's screaming on commentary, get off the ropes! Because everyone had such kind of affection for Ali as a, as a personality. And they just didn't want to see him hurt in the fight. And then obviously he wins the fight. And it's a brilliant piece because the best commentary, I think, is when it comes straight from the heart as much as anything else and encapsulates a moment. And David Frost says, as Foreman's counted out, he says something to the line of, oh my God, he's champion again. And it's it's like no one predicted it. And for this man who kind of literally done so many things in his career to win the world championship again at that age, which was in a 34 Ross back then was considered ridiculous for an athlete to even be competing. Like, so he was, he was, he was a one-off in so many ways. And obviously that fight had a huge um, cultural significance as well. <clears throat> so that would be, that would be my um, kind of from the heart moment. Cause it, it captured what the whole world was thinking at the time. Oh my God, he's champion again. Incredible. Um, so that would be mine. Good question, Peter. Friends, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, you boys are off to the press conference tomorrow. Uh, Kieran will be will be talking to you. Hopefully, we'll get a Wes Burns update. And then it's Rotherham, of course, on a Friday night, friends. How are we feeling about this? Obviously, we'll try and pod again on Thursday. But any any early thoughts about getting back into the action? Friday night trip to Rotherham? That's going to be so cold. We've all felt how cold it's been this week. Imagine going up north to Yorkshire for an eight o'clock on a Friday. I like that town of the first team back, but I'm not looking forward to the amount of layers I'm going to have to wear for this. <laughs> What's that? You... I'm not. When do you, when do you break out the uh, fingerless gloves, Stu? Was that is that you that? Um, I have. Uh, they're not. I wouldn't say they're a staple of mine. Um, was I'm... it? Uh, am I thinking of that? Used to wear more. Was it Goodrum? Used to Maybe. wear, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a report from many moons ago. Heating on in the house, by the way, boys. I'm assuming. We have had a bit. Yeah, can't lie. Ross is in shorts. Yeah, what are you doing, Ross? Have you got your set of like forty-five degrees in your house or something? No, I'm just, I'm fine. You know, I'm just fine at the moment. Warm-blooded. The Ice Man. Ice Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right then, friends. That brings us to the end of the show. Then, uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Some really good questions today. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for everyone who sent in questions. We had loads of them, so we've tried to do as many as we can. If we didn't do yours, it's nothing personal, uh, and we appreciate you you getting involved. Of course, uh, friends. All that's left then is to remind you to support our sponsors. Stewie is kindly wearing a ginger pickle hoodie. There we go. Uh, if you there we go, it's that side. If uh, if you want help with your digital advertising, your Google ranking, your SEO, get involved with Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle. A lovely warm hoodie, actually. I will say it's a quality bit of kit. And speaking of quality bit of kits, obviously Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery if you've got 145-year-old to buy a present for. Um, and also, friends, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, because we've not had one of those in a little while, and it just raises our visibility in the old charts and helps more people find us, and uh, the algorithm brings more people to the party at the KOA Army. Uh, that's it then, friends. Any other business, boys, before we uh, get on with our Tuesdays? Yes, Ross? Going back to the birthday question, mm -hmm. I'm a bit, bit underwhelmed, actually, by the answers, to be fair, looking back, looking at the research. Um, I don't share birthday with anybody, sadly, July 12th. Um, it's just sandwiched in between Herman O'Reilly on the 11th of July and Ray Crawford on the 13th of July. Uh, 15th, there's um, there's nobody, unfortunately, Stu. You don't share with... with um, Tom Lawrence is the closest with the 13th of Jan. Remember Tom Lawrence? Uh, but yeah. the 20th of June, no, Heafy. You've got Azmig Begovic, the goalie. Yeah. He's on loan. And Good you've got his player, South African Colin Viljohn. Who um, scored a lot of goals for town back in the 70s slash 80s, I think it was, or maybe 60s. Superb pronunciation there, Ross, by the way. I feel said like it, I've said it a few yeah. times, probably in the past. Yeah. And Good then work. 
to round up AGA, uh, just one birthday for you. And uh, a little bit of a throwback for Stu, who scored one goal in his one appearance for town, James Alabi. Um, oh, oh yes, that's one of my favourite ever interviews I've seen. To remember, we had that on the back page when he scored his goal in the like an EFL awesome. Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. And there was a um, the line was, I'm, "I bring pace, I bring power, I bring goals," and I don't think he ever played again. again. <laughs> <laughs> James Alabi, I wonder what he's doing now. Fantastic! I really like the idea on this birthday thing. By the way, of you having a birthday song, so everyone should have a song that they play on their birthday by an artist who shares your birthday. I assume yeah. your Lionel Richie song is "Dancing on the Ceiling." That of feels course, kind it is. Of, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's birthday vibes. Yeah, um, maybe that's re- homework for us all to go and find out our birthday artist mm-hmm. and song of choice that you play every year. I like on your it. Birthday. It's good. Well, see, before we go, of course, we should also tease to your Tommy Orr interview. Which is uh, which is really good, really interesting. Um, that's out there now. That were dropped as a pod on Sunday, didn't it? So that should be in in your feed if you subscribe, which of course you should do. Um, what was it like talking to Tommy? Yeah, it's good chat. Um, you know, he's got the Aussie accent, obviously, because he's Australian. chat with him. Of course, we had to sort our diaries out, obviously. You know, because he's you know in Australia, you know, time difference and all that. But now, good chat, good insight on. His brief spell at town, you know, he only made nine appearances, scored one goal, got concussed on his home debut, made his league, you know, his debut for town at Old Trafford of all places. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Um, if you can't have, you ain't got time to listen or watch it, there's a written form to it. So, um, yeah, check it out. Good old Tommy. Yep. They went out this morning. For someone who only played nine games for town, he had quite an eventful time, didn't he? Yeah. Um, including, obviously, the, the nature of his departure. I love that analysis, by the way, Ross. He's got an Australian accent because he's Australian. <laughs> did you ever did you ever speak to Tommy? Me? Yeah. Uh I don't know if I did, to be honest. He sort of came and went quite quickly. I remember there being a lot of hype around him when he came. Huge hype, yeah. There was obviously which had very functional wide men in that mm. playoff. Did he come bef- after that playoff season? Yeah, that's, yeah after that. Yeah. We signed yeah. Ryan Fraser. I think Ryan Fraser basically was playing in, you know in front of him. So I think that's yeah. It was very functional wide men in Paul Anderson and, and Jay Tab in that that playoff season, and everyone sort of felt that if Ipswich could just add a little bit more flair in that department, that they would they would go one step further. And it was Ainsley Maitland Niles, wasn't it, on the right, and Ryan Fraser on the left. But Tommy Orr had sort of come in with a a lot of hype around him being this kind of exciting wing wizard who was in the Australia setup at the time. But um, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And he ended up going home with sort of talk of being homesick and uh, stuff like that. So um, I won't give away sort of his answers to you, but I know he's, he's talked about kind of how, how it started and how it came to an end. So I think, yeah, fans that kind of remember that period will, will find that a very interesting read slash watch slash listen. Do all three. Get us a hit on all three, please, friends. Um, the other thing I should mention, I teased at the end of last week's show to a special thing, which wasn't the Tommy Orr thing. That was on top of the Tommy Orr thing that was we thought would happen, and it didn't happen. <laughs> so, sorry, friends, if you're expecting a special podcast to drop, uh, unfortunately, it fell through. And I don't want to say what it was, because we're still trying to see if we can set it up again. Um, but fingers crossed we'll get that to you in the future, just if you're wondering where that special pod was. Didn't happen. Apologies, friends. What we have brought you, of course, is a special 82-minute podcast diving into the mailbag today. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great start to your week. Uh, Town are back in action on Friday, which obviously is something to look forward to. We'll be back with the boys, the press conference tomorrow, and then hopefully back podcast-wise on Thursday. And then, of course, the game will be on Friday. So have a good week uh, building up to that one, and we'll speak to you next time. (laughs) 